delegation deliberation delegation station liberations Woo. i probably got some shoe dust in there i don't mind <laughs> it's good adds the bacteria some that's fecal right fecal matter life is fecal life bacteria. is much grittier probably i've walked in the bathroom in these shoes whoa different paradigm <laughs> Yeah, but you're raising a kid. You are used to Poop. body fluids and, and all of the other animal functions of humanity. Yeah. It's just a part of life. What that, a way to start an episode. You probably eat shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you probably drink poop on a daily basis. We are going to talk about kids today. We are going to talk. This yeah. actually is a great way to start this podcast. We're going to talk poop about and children. Kids. Yeah. If you're not interested in pooping kids, you will not like you this. Will, if you are have an aversion to children, just tune it out now. Come in next week. We don't know what we're going to talk about, but this is going to be about art and kids. I like how Sean was just like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't say that. <laughs> Keep listening. Either yeah, 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 yeah. that part out. Out of preparation for what might happen later in your life. So, yeah. Accidentally, maybe. Well, it's better if it's planned, I'm told. It is better yeah. if it's planned. Yeah. Wanted, easier now planned, than ever prepared before. for, <laughs> nesting instinct, not running away from the responsibility, all that stuff. Was your son planned? Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't very confident. No, well, it was, it was yeah. sort of a, it's a long story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's a long story, it doesn't yeah. sound very planned. Yeah. Definitely celebrated at this point, but all my work was done a long time ago. I like that answer. Was it planned? It was celebrated. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Okay. Where do we go? Cooper was planned. I kind of figured. Any other plans or is that a question not to ask on a podcast? Other plans. Ooh. <laughs> You're going to do the gender thing where you try for, until you get the counterpointing gender so you can say we've yeah. experienced the whole gamut. Yeah. Like we, we both want a girl. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end up with five boys. Yeah. That that's <laughs> happens. Yeah. That's what happens. You don't make these decisions yet. Science can make it happen, guys. It's true. We could we could choose now. Yeah. But it's a it's not a process that you want to go. Towards. I see. Okay. It's like, do you really want a girl that much? Yeah. Or are you willing to risk a boy? And like, what, is your, what is your attitude? I'm not willing to pay all this money and go through this unnatural process. Uh huh. Like I'm fine if I end up with three boys. There is another thing, which is the illusion that if you if, if planning a gender or even planning a child gives the illusion of control, it is an illusion that will be shattered because no matter what the situation, children are unpredictable. There's no way. It's the, it's the biggest embracing of uncertainty that I can imagine in life. What are you talking? Are you talking about like you you bring, get your girl, but then she has a she turns into a no, boy? No, but or, I mean that bringing a like, child it's like Jurassic you, Park. <laughs> what? It's like Jurassic Park. What happened in Jurassic life Park? Yeah, life finds oh, a life way. Oh, life finds a way. <laughs> I didn't get it. All the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park are female, and then they find out somehow that they change their gender because of certain frog DNA that's put in them. I've seen yeah. it a few times, but I guess I never caught that. <laughs> okay, Marshall. Let's roll the intro. Yeah, oh, Hi, yeah, Stan. roll the intro. Hi, yeah. I'm Stan. I teach art on Proco. Marshall. I'm Marshall, and I co-host the podcast with Stan Prokopenko. There you go. Roll the intro for the drop and show. Mm. 
minutes dressed in shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the subject today is kids. Yes. Sort of. Well, what what about kids? We had a question oh, yeah. okay, posed to, to us. It? Why don't you read that one and I'll read the one that was posed today. Oh, what? There's two questions? There was, yeah, there were two questions on this. What was yours? From Firefly 46750 minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> That's what it says in my document. <laughs> Anyone have tips for parents of small children? I'm about to be a moom and I'm trying to figure out how to fit art in there. And then there's an emoji with a eye drop or a water drop going down onto one eye. It's like sweating. Sweating, not yeah. crying, but sweating. Yeah. It's like but on like, the forehead. It is so hard to get all this done. I am worn well, she's out. She's smiling, open mouthed. Okay. <laughs> Still sweating, but glad. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Very analogous to the whole process. Yeah. Okay. So, I we figured out like a few minutes ago that I misinterpreted this question. How did you interpret it? I thought she was saying that I'm gonna be a mom. How do I fit art into my child's life? And that's not what she's asking. I don't know. Maybe she is. Well, I'm about to, she said, I'm about to be a mom. I'm trying to figure out how to fit art in there. In there. In Where her, is there? I think that since in she's- In there, in the child. She's not a mom yet. My guess is that she's talking about fit, fitting <laughs> art into her life. Okay. Since probably. We, yeah. I agree. You're probably but, right. That's what she's saying. But you want to deal with the first one first? The, the, the misinterpretation first about how you fit art into a, a child's life or should we save that for sure. the end? Okay, sure. My thing is give them the tools, give them the options to explore. Mm -hmm. They'll cling on to something and then you, you keep providing them with what they need to excel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that sounds good. It's on, it's, but you don't choose for them. It's non-intrusive. You just give them the option yeah. and they can choose it if they want it. Yeah. Boy, that's good. Is that, is that it? We're done with that one. That's what well, I guess we're done to the with the real that question one. now. What's that? Oh, okay. That one. How do you fit art into your life when you're about to have kids, <clears throat> or already maybe have kids? Let's take someone who apparently already has kids. Is there the another name question? is on there? Courtney Contreras. Where are all the artists with kids? How do artists who are also mothers and fathers still make it? I draw and paint, but is it over for me? I know zero famous artists with children. Ooh. Famous artists with children. We could list famous artists with children. Both of the draftsmen currently have children. <laughs> we both have children. Yes. Or a, a child, yeah. A child. Well, More I have than... two dogs. <laughs> okay, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Pets I are, had to go there. Pets are a very toned, uh, they're the same thing, it's but like with 1%. way fewer, way lower degree. I agree. Yeah. But, you know, I think of them as my kids. Yeah. Melissa and I call them the kids. Yeah. And we call Cooper Cooper. <laughs> He's, He's got the, the dog. special He's like, are you going to drop off the kids? We mean the dog. The dog, yeah. We don't mean Cooper. <laughs> right. Well, would it do any good to, I don't know whether it would do any good to list famous artists with kids, but the first one that comes to my mind was N.C. Wyeth, since he was so patriarchal. His wife fell into the shadows very much. His kids talk about him as such a dominating force in the family. Mm. He was the father of five kids, one of whom was Andrew Wyeth. There's a wonderful documentary that is quite touching as well called 
N.C. Wyeth, a father and his family from the late 80s, I'm guessing. Really worth your time. Uh, but and, and it is not an idealized portrait, even though there's a, a sense of romance to it. But there's also the awareness of some of the, the difficulties yeah. of that. And he has his grandson, uh, Jamie Wyeth, also. So that's one of the most famous. Rockwell. Pardon? Rockwell, but he was known to be a bad father? Uh, one of his rumors. sons, at least one of his sons, was quite bitter about his okay. absence from the family. Jeff um, Watts's father, Robert Watts, mm -hmm. they're both artists. Okay. Robert Watts is a great artist. So mm -hmm. the, there's, there are famous artists. Let's mention some mums. Okay. Let's mention some mums. <laughs> the ones that I'm thinking of, Remedios Faro is one of my favorites. She never had kids. Beatrix Potter never had kids. Angelina Jolie. Does she have kids? <laughs> adopted like adopted 10, kids. 10 kids. Okay. Um, yeah, we don't even have to think of artists. Why does it have to be an artist? It could be anyone that's busy with their career and also as a parent. There's no different. The only, the problem that really they're asking is how do I find time to do this other thing? Right? It's the yes. only problem. It doesn't matter what you're do what else you're doing. It's just the time factor. So we could think uh, of it's politicians. It's not just a time factor. Think, oh, it's, oh, what is what else? It's is an it? energy factor, right? Which sure. maybe okay. may related to time. But other, all those other things in your career would still require energy. Yes. One problem here is we might be listing artists that were famous and then they had kids, or they had their career already like pretty much set up to get famous yeah and then they had kids it wasn't like they had kids but they're still like really early on and like they're still a student or something yeah 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 let, let me um, let me tell you an interesting historical irony you look at the greatest children's book writers children's book illustrators and children's book writers and illustrators let's start with lewis carroll he never had kids beatrix potter never had kids uh, Dr. Seuss never had kids. Maurice Sindak never had kids. Shel Silverstein almost never had kids. Uh, but some of uh, a number of the children's book writers and illustrators who did have kids had them after they had had their success because people who don't understand children's book writing and illustration, especially the ones who do it so great, do not understand that it is a lifestyle and there are, I think, two reasons. One that I was always aware of before I had kids and afterwards is that people don't know how demanding uh, producing good children's entertainment is. And so they don't, they underestimate the time and they figure, well, I got kids, I can write and entertain them. But there's another thing that a friend of mine pointed out who didn't, he and his wife didn't have children. And he said, there's another thing. And that is that as soon as you become a parent, you're in the role of police person. You are in the role of having to maintain order which means that you are in a role that does not play well as the fellow child. And you look at the subversive quality of people like Shel Silverstein and Dr. Seuss, who there is an energy right from the beginning of it's you and I against the grown-ups. Even mm. if it's not specific, there is a sense of I'm on your level. And as soon as you become on the level up here, looking down on the child, you're, there's something different. It's like children's book illustrators who will not consider where the point of view of the camera is, whereas many of them know, put it down there where you're looking up under the table and you're looking up into grown-ups' noses. It's an empathy with your audience that married couples or people in general uh, can play the role 
of us. That's interesting. That kind of also applies to running a business. How? Well, you're kind of policing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not like as much as with a kid, mm -hmm. but you have to make sure everything's going well and like everyone's doing what they should be doing. And it becomes yeah. a kind of energy. It is this kind of energy. That defines you that you have to consciously be able to break out of. And, yeah. and uh, many a parent, particularly a parent who has to play the harder role, the, uh, the disciplinarian, yeah. the, the police person, is not, it, it, they may be able to be the entertainer, but I think it's, it's a different bearing toward a child's. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of different options here and it depends on what you want and what you have available to you mm -hmm. like so, some parents are able to both have full-time jobs and have someone watch the child during the day whether it's a grandparent a, a sibling of theirs you know family mm -hmm. they, your child can be with other family members but it, it depends on your family dynamic it depends on if you can afford a nanny if you're comfortable with a nanny um it depends on all these things um, if you're not, then yeah, you're going to be spending the most energetic prime time of your day for tw 12 hours, probably, maybe even more. No, probably like 12 hours um, watching this child. And when they're sleeping, you are taking a break because you're exhausted. You're recovering. Yeah, you're recovering and you cannot go and like paint. But I mean, also like you, you probably have a spouse being a, being a single parent is like a, a top level mm -hmm. of difficulty pretty much yeah. have yeah no probably no hope of having an, a career outside of that mm -hmm. right am i should i say that it's, is this it's so hard <laughs> i can't to, imagine being a single yeah. parent and also trying to do something else trying to be i can't see how that's possible trying to be encouraging but, is and be realistic when, yeah i, I remember i had a really difficult transition into fatherhood and Bob Duncan who he and his wife had been successful writers for many years when my son was only a year or two old I remember him having dinner with me and we stayed up late into the night and he said tell me how it's going tell me how it's going with fatherhood in your career and I said uh, gosh it's rough and nobody asked me those things so for Bob to open up that subject meant that he understood that you've got a conflict of, of yeah. energy. And I, he said, I said, it's, it's rough. And I told him how it was working and how it was a challenge. And I asked him about it and he said, well, I, I know that I was not as good a father as I could have been if I had not been trying to be a writer. And I know that I was not a good, as good a writer as I would have been if I had not tried to be a father. Yeah. And and so there was no pretending otherwise but i heard this from uh, over and over from people that you will compromise your career unless your career is already established so it would be unrealistic unrealistic to say it's going to be all okay and you're going to have a career and your kids are going to turn out fine it it just wouldn't uh, i don't know how to address this except to say that there is the challenge i don't really have an answer for this i'm going to stab around at it yeah it is a reality that you're going to have way less time either way but it can work kind of 
Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Glenn Vilpoo in, in, in it, the 1990s, Glenn Vilpoo had a, a, an instructional VHS in which he was talking about, he was copying from some Renaissance drawing of a cherub, a child, and he was talking about the proportions of a child. And he said something to the effect that if you don't know what the proportions of a child are, is have a child, have a few children, and that way you're going <laughs> to watch them, watch them grow and you'll notice how the head and the body change. Uh, and I remember watching this with students and 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 everybody looking at each other and somebody it might have been me said don't do not have a child yeah. out of the motivation that i want to learn the proportions of a child as it grows you'll never get any drawing done anyway because you're going to be busy dealing with this kid good advice yeah. <laughs> most artists that i know that are really 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 serious about their career and that's like their life is their art career mm -hmm. um most of them decide not to have kids. And the ones I'm thinking about, actually, the husband and wife are both artists. Mm -hmm. And they've decided not to have children. They've decided not to have children. Yeah. It's like, if they're both artists, probably one of them is going to suffer more than the other. Not suffer, I mean, their career is going to severely slow down more than the other. It's not going to be an equal thing. Because one of them will have to be making the money to support the family. Mm -hmm. And so whoever is further along in their career will probably be the one who gets to keep going with their career. The other one gets to stay home with the child. And theirs is going to pretty much now, stop. Did you say gets to stay home with the child? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. Gets to stay home. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you were to do that. Instead of saying has to stay home. <laughs> Wait, did I stay, say that? I, I think you did. To. Yeah. I think you said gets to stay home with the child. I said yeah. that accidentally. That wasn't. The one who gets <laughs> to stay home with the child yeah. has the harder job, I think. Yes. But there because is. Because it's not selfish. It's more difficult to do everything for someone else rather than do, do everything for yourself. And as one psychologist said, when you are out in the workplace, as difficult as it is, you do not usually have to use force as often as you have to use force in a family when you've got children. And using force can be exhausting. Uh, there's just uh, there are what do you mean by force? Like Using force, so you, you, or... you force your will on this, even though the child doesn't want it. Uh, there's just there's going to be trials that a person not doing it cannot imagine. Yeah. Until they've done it, and then they don't need to imagine it. And then when it's over, they choose never to think about that again, <laughs> and just remember all of the good parts. But it is the the person who who stays home with the child has the harder job, but they also have a reward, and the uh, the getting to report the good things too. It's true. But what are we offering to a I'm person who's sure. asking this Maybe question? Maybe just the person listening is enjoying hearing it from us. <laughs> hearing <laughs> that, that, so. that somebody else understands? Yeah. Small comfort. Yeah. We, we can't promise them that it'll be okay. No. I know that if you really want it really, really bad... That if your drawing career is more important than the child you're about to have, mm -hmm. you'll figure it out. Yeah. Whether you, it hurts your child or not, you'll figure it out. Um, hopefully, you can figure out in a way that it doesn't hurt your child. Yeah. Um, that there will there could be someone to watch the child who's a good role model yeah. while 
you're focusing on this and then you come and you spend you know five five hours a day with that child it it's like these are options but it's it depends on the individual of how comfortable they are with exploring those options well since we've been asked about it let's let's just list some of these options. You just mentioned some of them. A let's, nanny or a family member. L- let's start the, with the with the worst possible one, though, to get that oh, out adoption? of the way. No, no, the, no, no. The worst possible resolve. <laughs> What's that? Uh, well, no. The, What's worse than that? We'll start with. Don't go with there. Two that, that we don't. Here, here's the first one. One is to neglect the child because the career is more important. Oh, I guess adoption is better than neglection, huh? Just being uh, a horrible parent and just like yeah. ignoring that is worse than giving them up for because. But some people choose that. I yeah. think, didn't Steve Jobs make a statement that he wanted his children to know that the reason he wasn't there is because he was doing this big thing to change the world? Okay. I, I, I had heard something like that. I can't, can't verify it. Okay. But there, are, and again, Norman Rockwell comes to mind. Norman Rockwell would not have been Norman Rockwell, and he would not have his stature in illustration history yeah. if he had put that energy into being parents. So there's one thing, which is to turn the child over to others or neglect the child so that you can pursue the career. It's an option. It's hardly a, a good option, but it depends on your values. There's another one, and that is to live vicariously through the child. I couldn't be a football player, but I'm going to raise kids who can be football players, and I'll make them be football players. My kids are going to go into ballet, and they're going to be ballet dancers. And yeah. you push them into something, reward them for doing it, uh, withhold rewards for not doing it, and manipulate the child into living out the thing that you couldn't do yourself is another way that a yeah. great deal of pain happens yeah. in young people's lives. I've seen it in my students uh, more times than I've kept track of. And sometimes they become artists because the parent wanted them so badly to be a doctor or an athlete or whatever uh, other Lawyer. thing. Yeah. Uh, so there's a second negative way. It's, it, let's get the negative ways out of the way. Is there any other that, that occurs to you? Murder. <laughs> I wouldn't take it that far, although it can happen. But this you is, just wanted to get the negatives yeah, you out get of the way. way. Give it get the extremes. Um. <laughs> well, these aren't funny. These well, are, are the negatives. They're like pure comedy. Sean, <laughs> you're not a father. You don't understand. Uh, hey, I own a lizard. <laughs> you own a lizard? <laughs> no. What else, what, the neg- what, what else is there? Neglect, adoption. I, I remember... <laughs> we're getting into like... We shouldn't be giving this territory. advice. I think it was M. Scott Thacker who talked about how a child who is rejected by their parents has a better chance than the child who is constantly affirmed by their parents saying, we support you and we love you, but they don't really. And the child senses the disconnect between the reality, which they have no words for, only feelings... And all they can say is that my stomach hurts a lot or whatever else. And the specific and explicit message that the parents give to say, we love you and we support you. And it drives the child crazy because they cannot make sense out of reality in their in their blossoming uh, consciousness. So it would be better to reject the child. And the child says, no, my parents reject me. It's going to be painful. It is painful. But they can then seek other yeah. Support that gets them in touch with reality, so that they know what their their battle is. So, and I, I'm not not to say that adoption is a good good option. Yeah. But it's it actually it 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 might be the lesser of two evils. Now we gradually move into something. I may have something to offer. What's that? Uh, I've got a few things to offer, just from being on this side of it. 
Yeah. One is that I loved children's books through my childhood and even into my adulthood. And I remember I would go into the bookstore and the library and check out children's books in my 20s. And they'd say, how old's your kid? And I'd say, I don't have a kid. And the look that I would get. <laughs> like, what are you doing here, you pervert? Yeah, there, there was that sense. But I loved children's books and still do. And then when I've got a kid, now you are given permission to buy and collect. And not only that, but from the time before he even understood words, I would sit him on my lap and read and we'd look at the page. And then I learned I can read upside down for some reason. I don't know why. I just thought everybody could read upside down. I got the idea before he was two years old to put him this way, hold the book upside down, read it to him. And that way I yeah. got both the book and I got his face to watch the response to this. And I spent hundreds of hours throughout my child's, my, my, my son's childhood reading books all the way into where he was, uh, he was older. He let me read to him. And it was, yeah. it was a great uh, investment. So like, what's your advice? Right, because I can go on for 20 minutes. Because you said, I do have some ad advice. The and things you... that you would do with a child, that the child will enjoy and that you will enjoy, this is your opportunity to indulge him, her. By the time your kids are in their teens, they may not want you to read to them anymore. And I found that when he left the house, I am just aching for someone to read books to. So I do it to classrooms. There so are learn to love audience. it. Learn to enjoy being a parent. The things That's that you your... aren't going to be able to do later, yes. Cool. That's one thing. Yeah. What's the other one? Uh, the other is to play art-related games. Mm. Let, but let's, let's set that one aside because I've got another set. <laughs> that of... one sounded fun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to it. Are, um, you, are you reading to Cooper or is anyone in your family? Yeah. He reads now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we read Game of Thrones last week. Yeah, you read Game of Thrones. Favorite no, he, we do. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we we he has uh, two bookshelves that we put on his wall, and he he'll pick a book. Good ones. Yeah, and then he'll throw them around. Yeah. He'll use them as frisbees. <laughs> good you have, ones. You have Good Night Moon. We don't have Good Night Moon. Oh, yeah, it's a classic. We we like we started with the Jimmy Fallon ones. Those are happening now. Mama and Dada. Okay. The we have the uh, the worst a alphabet book and the best alphabet book. Are they called Those that? Are funny, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> we have a lot. Anyway, well, then, why, why are you asking? To, no, to sum up the books thing, I got the privilege of a few hundred hours of indulging children's books, and it was not neglecting fatherhood. It was a bonding that is really a sweet memory to me. I think that advice just helps you to enjoy it a little bit more mm -hmm. is when you can have common interests, but it, it really doesn't help you in your career though. Well, I don't know about that because well, I've, I've gotten, well, let me I, tell you then well, yeah, <laughs> if well, you don't know, uh, I, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, <laughs> oh. I'm casting doubt on your speculation. Ah, that what, that's what you meant by that. That children's book illustration certificate that we're doing at the junior college and yeah. the children's book, uh, classes that I've taught, I had, a long, you know, my graduate study was real world stuff. Sure. That knows, lets me know my way around the last. Uh, it helps you as years. much as playing video games can help you. It's as like, a video well, game it exposed sure. me to video games. And so now I can 
make better video games. It's if, like, well, yeah, to a degree. But do you doubt that? No, I don't. But it's like, it's such a tiny amount of building a career. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I read children's books. It is a tiny amount, but we are grasping <laughs> I know. at straws it, here. I get it. But it mostly helps you just to enjoy the time more. Okay. It doesn't help you that well, much if, in if actually are... getting... Uh, she's asking, like, how do I become a famous artist? It's like, well, I'm, yeah, read books to your kid. If, no. if I give you a thing about games, the next thing is going to be, okay, well, that's another straw, Marshall. Oh, okay. Should we do it? I get it. I get, I probably know what you're about to say. Play Okay, play art games so that you can enjoy doing art stuff while you're with your hey, kid. Wait, before, before the games thing, let me mention another thing that happened in my life. But this is going to be all me reminiscing. We moved to a new area and found that there was a husband and wife who were artists, they made their living as artists. They were both fine artists and uh, they, they sold anything they could to anyone and they had a house, big house with lots of production space and jewelry and everything. It was like the Adams Family House in a lot of ways. There was, everything was in there. Yeah. Animals and spiders and bison skulls and, and everything okay. else. And they had a number of kids. And one of the boys was a year older than my son. One of the boys was a year younger. And they became a team that were creative. They hung around all the time. They designed video games. They did tons of artwork. Got lots of stories about that. But Ken Matson and I drove to classes together. He used to drive me to my classes. We were learning together. And then he had ideas for art games. One of them was to get together with the boys. And here's what we do. We have a grab bag of pieces of paper, an adjective, a noun, a verb, and then some direct object like an event. Okay. And so you'd have something like, uh, you'd pull them out of a hat and combine them and then everybody draws their own version. A tough bunny watches a boxing match. Yeah. And then we would each draw it and then yeah. we'd put it out there. Okay. And it was, it was great social time. That one's more related because that one you actually get to practice drawing. That's right. And I yeah. had just at that time, I'd been teaching animal anatomy for a while. So I was learning how to draw rabbits and get their anatomy yeah. right. And so I got to do my tough bunny watching. Might help you be more creative too. That's right. And also one of those, one of those, uh, the younger son was really talented. I mean, I'm sorry to use the term, but he came up with ideas for monsters all the time. In fact, I took some of his little sketches of monsters you copied and i well i turned him into gave him some draftsmanship and uh you took his ideas as yours yeah but he also uh he decided to become an artist and so there were being around children in their artistic creative state mm. can be invigorating yeah and you learn a ton even though it's it's dirty learning it's not organized like a teacher right but it is learning in a chaotic way about how creativity happens. I learned a number of the most important lessons in creativity, not from reading all of those creativity books, but from watching five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds work at their projects and seeing what they naturally do and how they just. And they be, that becomes a, a part of my teaching, is that this is an icon of innocence that knows instinctively how to go about it that grown-ups have to relearn yeah. so again I'm, i know we're grasping at things that can be encouraging but sharing of their media introducing them to old stuff that's great that they're too young to know that it isn't cool that i only want to know what the culture knows and you're saying look we've got these things that oh 
Little Nemo in Slumberland. My son and I spent three years reading through those things. Whoa. And I remember when he was about seven years old, I, I shot some slides. Uh, I said, hey, I've got a slide presentation. And we'd always read them in books of uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland. Would you like to watch them? We turned off all the lights. We projected them up on the wall. And afterward, he said, there's just nothing like Little Nemo. And I thought, there really isn't. They are so gorgeous. He was too young to know that that was not happening in the mainstream culture. Interesting. And we didn't have television either, all through his childhood. So we, there was that mm. advantage too. How long does that stage last where your, full, your whole day is dedicated to the child? Like till they're like five or six, right? When they go to school and they're, they're gone from eight or 7 a.m. till two or mm -hmm. three, right? And then you have that whole time to work on your own stuff, right? Yeah. Five or six, so it's not too bad. It's like a pause. For five years if you could see it that way yeah. it's like a i'm trying to be positive here, i know Marshall. it's like a pause where you're running yourself ragged <laughs> <laughs> yeah i get it but i mean it's not like a full pause that those five years if you you can trade off where if you know your husband or your wife does half a day you do half you know you, you can make it work well you now you're bringing up the next thing that may be the most important of all that that the community of people around you yeah is the biggest factor and the extended family of having grandma and grandpa on on either side and all sorts of others because it takes it takes six human beings to raise one child because of the amount of energy and so just historically naturally there was a whole village of people who were helping with the children and it isn't that way now so that can sometimes be the biggest challenge and also if you've got grandparents that yeah. you say i don't want my grandparents to be a part of this process because they're bad influences oh. because they're going to carry through the same dysfunctions they gave to you <laughs> they're going to do it to your to yeah. your kids so there's all sorts of complex challenges that everybody's situation is different yeah depends well, hopefully you have family that can help hopefully i've heard authors talk about how when they had kids before you know they were not famous they had kids uh -huh. and they'd get like two to three hours of like work time in a day because the rest was taking care of kids and that became their most productive time ever because it, it was so limited that they were able to like do a bunch of work in like two hours versus but how Staying up late, usually it's just like having a partner. You have to figure well, out how to regain that energy. Yeah, or if, after or an if your creative day, output is... Or wake up not, really early. Yeah, wake up early. Do it, in the, in the, do it before you're super tired. Yeah, okay. okay. If, you're, if you're really motivated, I guess you would do that. I'm seeking some kind of closure to offer a person who's asking this. Okay. Here's the best that I can offer. Is that you, now we've got the options. One option is to back off on the career and to spend a little time on this to keep your hand in, to keep in shape. You don't have to be a pro tennis player, but you can play tennis two or three times a week so that you're keeping in shape with it. Uh, and f pick it up later because as we talked about a couple episodes again uh, uh, ago, that uh, going at it with a renewed vigor after you're done with the kids does happen. There can be the second wave where you're able to do it. Mm -hmm. And then what Sean just mentioned is that what if you can get six hours a week, two hours a day here, three times a week, 
and make it so that that time is sacred, precious time for you. It's absolutely mommy time and mommy wants to do this and mommy will do this and that will not be encroached on. And make it so that you are working as smart as opposed to hard as possible to have it accumulate. So that by accretion, you're going to have the, those six or seven years, you would never have gotten that if you had not said, at least I've got my six hours a week regularly. Good closure. Voicemail? Voicemail. <laughs> hey guys, my name's Andrew. Um, first off, wanted to say love the show, but my question is, what are your thoughts on practice? Is there good practice, bad practice, or is all practice just good for growing as an artist? There's good practice and there's bad practice and not all practice is good for growing as an artist. <laughs> yeah. Anything to... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's... Maybe elaborate. What is bad, bad practice? Bad practice, throwing your pencil at your paper and you just keep doing that. It's bad practice. I practiced that for <laughs> hundreds of hours. <laughs> that's why you suck. <laughs> it, it was not good practice. It was not it was, good practice. It was, it was to try to solve a problem and it ended up becoming a problem. Yeah. I, okay, so what's better practice? What's slightly worse practice? We've um, talked about it before. Yeah, we have. Deliberate practice is the best practice. And prescriptive deliberate practice. What's the difference? Uh, the difference is that it's not just deliberate practice. It's that I need practice on this thing yeah, as opposed to another thing. Yeah, so you're deliberately choosing. Oh, deliberately choosing. Yeah, prescriptive means that it is solving a problem. Yeah. Yeah, what I, and what I mean by deliberate practice is you're not just like taking out a sketchbook and doodling without having a reason, right? It's like people think practicing just means drawing. It's like I drew, but were you practicing? Or were you just doodling or yeah. sketching or whatever? This isn't that helpful an answer, though. Andrew, did you really think? <laughs> wow! I mean, what we're offering is something we've already dealt with. Andrew, yeah, did, we, did you really think that there's no such thing as bad practice versus good practice? I think no such thing as bad practice is a thing that circulates on the internet. No, oh, the and idea so that no such thing as bad that practice. That concept circulates and everyone's like, well, any practice Ooh, is good I practice. don't agree. No, I don't agree with that either. Definitely so maybe elaborate practice. on that. Like, what is, what would you consider bad practice? What I just said. But not like throwing a pencil. Oh, no, right. what I, like the other legit. thing that I just said, where you just, you go into it not having... A goal. Any, a goal. You, you just think that just sketching something is going to be practice. You have to... Uh, analyze yourself figure out what your weaknesses are which ones do you want to improve you don't have to improve all your weaknesses some might not matter but if you think that one of your weaknesses really matters and you need to improve it deliberately choose to practice that rather than just sketching stuff yeah i quote dr eddie o'connor again. again practice does not make perfect practice makes permanent you okay. keep practicing something bad yeah and you've got a new habit that could take you years right. to overcome yeah practicing something incorrectly you're backtracking right if you're constantly practicing sloppy uh line work it's going to take you much longer to get good line quality than if you're starting from scratch okay because first you have to undo all the the bad habits then you have to work on the good habits yes 
Should we do another voicemail? This was, I don't really think we offered anything new. You just love voicemails. Uh, hello. Um, my question is quite simple, I think. Um, it is, how can I deal with being influenced by multiple art styles? I love realistic art, but I also love more stylized art. And I don't know which one to pursue. It's got me to a point where I find myself unable to create any original work, since I don't know what I want to do. Uh, thanks, Poco, for answering. This is decision anxiety. That, how can you answer this? Do the realistic stuff. Do the graphic stuff. It's just, it's your responsibility. <laughs> I think we offered less on this one than on the previous one. We did. We but how could you it. answer this question? I don't know. It, yeah, just like, grow up, dude. <laughs> Make a decision. It wouldn't be that, but it's, it's, it's an anxiety issue for him that I don't know what to do, but that's part of the responsibility of choosing. Everyone's responsible to choose for those things that they can choose. And yeah, it's, it's almost like he thinks there's a right answer, though. Yeah. Like, if I pick this one, it's, it's wrong. I must go with this one. Yeah, but buyers. Who's, who's going to tell you what the right answer is? You just have to look deep down and decide what you want more. Or just combine them. Come up with a new thing. A realistic well, yeah. stylized style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that, that that is a good answer. I don't know whether it's going to solve it for him because I sense the fear of buyer's regret. I sense that if I choose this one, I got to give up that. Oh, okay, then I'll choose the other one. No, but if I choose that, I'm going to give that up. And when a person does not know what they want, I don't know what to say, but hopefully you will want something enough to say, I am going to make a choice. And the creativity of combining two things to make a new thing is part of the fun of many of an artist uh, to say, I've got the realistic thing. I've got the graphic thing. Andrew Wyeth talked about that, that he felt like he did not want the subject matter to be the only important thing in his realistic paintings. He wanted the abstract design to be important too. And he said, I don't want one to overtake the other. I try for a balance. And he, and he also said that that was exciting to him. So that he's approaching this stylistic conflict as a creative challenge. And how can I rise to the occasion and see how to work it out. But it will take work. It will take experimenting with it. How do I choose this element and that element? Do something, doesn't quite work, but I think I can do it better next time. So this is, a lot of the questions that we get are questions for therapists and people that are close to the person, that there's just no way that we can give an answer that is going to be satisfactory. Should we try a third one? I've got a third one lined up. All right, let's do a third one. Hi, Stan and Marshall. This is Emily. I called you guys before, but my phone died in the middle of the voicemail. But I wanted to know, I saw on Stan's book recommendation list that you had Robert Henry, if that's how you say his name, right? The Art Spirit recommended. And in that book, I was reading it. He talks about painting from life and not worrying about learning how to draw before you paint. You might have covered this in the Fundamentals podcast, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on that and the pros and cons for someone like me who's a self-taught artist taking that approach. Thanks. My experience 
with artists that paint but don't draw is that they're usually worse. Their skill level is usually worse because you can learn so much about, I think you can learn quicker through drawing than through painting certain things, not color, I mean, yeah. but just like it's faster, it's cheaper. Um, it's, it's much better for students, a pencil and a paper versus expensive oil paint. I don't know. This is just my experience. I know that again, it's like, it depends. Like I'm sure there's people out there that have, that don't really draw, but they're amazing painters mm -hmm. because they just spend all their time focusing on this medium and not splitting their time between mediums. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's possible. But just my experience is the people that learn how to draw first adapted to painting extremely quickly and wait and, and passed up all the people that didn't draw and have just been painting for a few years. That, that's my experience. But. That makes sense to me that drawing is the foundation of painting. Many a teacher has said it, many an artist yeah. has said it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like perspective. It's gonna be so much harder to learn perspective through painting, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, one follows the other naturally. Yeah. But I would not exclude the possibility of arranging values in your no. training at the beginning and then gradually seeing I need to know how a cross contour affects that light, that core shadow. But it, it, uh, I, I, I would wonder why yeah, would you be inclined to do one before the other? And if you're really inclined to deal with value and color before you deal with drawing or in, at the expense of dealing with drawing, it may be that you've got a vision for what you're going to do. You think of Monet's work, you think of Seurat's work, these are so tonally, impressionistically, pointillistically influenced by the shimmer, the impression of what hits your eyes, that they hardly need classic draftsmanship. And yeah. you think of an expressivist like Van Gogh, let alone the literal express, uh, expressionists of, uh, of the early 20th century, Van Gogh was before them, that is not concerned with classic drawings, concerned with emotional oomph into the brushstrokes and the choices of, of the values and colors. Yeah. It can be done, but I think asking this to us on a podcast called Draftsman. <laughs> That's funny. Is to ask it of people who are very biased toward Probably. the traditional approach. Yeah. But you said something interesting. You said if you want to separate, you grouped value and color mm -hmm. with painting and you separated it out of drawing. Mm -hmm. I connect value with drawing. Yes, it Quite makes sense. Bit. That's what the value and, and drawing certainly overlap. I, yeah, because I, 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 I would say learn shading and form um, with drawing first and then apply it to painting. But I think when people hear that and their ultimate goal is to be painters, mm -hmm. they think, oh, I'm going to have to not paint for several years and just draw. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. I never not painted. It's not an either or. I started painting when I was 13. I mean, I probably had a few years in my teens and that I didn't paint, but like once I got serious, I was painting all the time. It's just that I was spending probably more than half of my time drawing. And I still had fun and painted and went, you know, plein air painting and did portraits and stuff. I was still having, enjoying the medium that I love. Because mm -hmm. that is important, just being comfortable with the feeling of the oil paint and holding a brush, because it is a little bit different. 
and keeping that mileage and that control of a brush throughout the years is important even if it's just a little bit a few hours a week or something mm -hmm. it's enough to not have to start learning the medium from scratch later mm. i don't know yeah don't think that if you saying that you have to learn how to draw first means you can't paint yeah and i remember seeing an artist in la who worked tonally right from the beginning he'd arrange masses of oil paint and then he'd use a fan brush to blend it and then he'd gradually blend and blend and blend and blend and do these beautiful portraits so as clearly value in a fog that gradually crispens and he had a good eye but it isn't the way it, it's certainly not the way a 3d program works it can't render it can't give you light and dark until it has a scaffolding of something to put the light and dark on and so that to me is the my, my biased way of how i think a student should learn don't want to be dogmatic about it i don't think i understand where did i lose you the beginning <laughs> a, a computer program how do, you think a student should learn how a computer program does it or? no no the way a computer program works is that it it can't render okay until it has a wire frame oh okay oh got it, it got needs it. it needs something to the put structure. the light onto yeah learn the structure yeah then shade use value to reveal the structure that you've already figured out linearly i got you now okay hey stan page. yeah what's your thing <laughs> um i'm not done with it yet but melissa and i were have been watching chernobyl i've heard I it's love good it. it's really good mm -hmm. yeah brandon's a, i've watched i've been watched it with a friend it's amazing how, how many days did it take you it was one day what you did the whole thing in one day we couldn't stop watching oh man that's hilarious it's yeah, Melissa and I can only do one episode a day. So, but yeah, I would I would binge watch that. It's great. How far are you into it? We're over halfway. It's fun to think that when this happened, I was negative two months old. <laughs> my so mom was seven months. My mom was seven months pregnant, and we were in Ukraine. Whoa! Yeah, you were close enough for. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's even more fun to think about. I mean, there's not none of this fun. It's fun, really tragic, actually. Yeah. But like to think that people in like Germany were affected. Like people really far away were affected, um, and we were in the same country. Mm -hmm. And like the wind, the way it, the wind took all the radiation, it it went north and south. Oh, not, no, sorry, it went like north and east and west, but it didn't go south, mm -hmm. which is where we were. And so we actually didn't really get affected by it. We, mm -hmm. uh, we were in Odessa. Wow. Yeah. So we got extremely lucky because, I mean, millions of people have, have diseases because of it, like a lot higher chance of getting cancer, nervous system diseases because of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad it's you're crazy. here. I'm glad you're in good health. <laughs> I'm glad you made Thanks. it. Okay. That's my thing. But yeah, no, the show is just really good, even if you're not Ukrainian. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, I would like to see it at some you point. You should. Yeah. That's one that I'm like insisting on for on you. Okay. Yeah. You I don't will. like watching shows that were made today, but I'm I'm fine watching it later when when. What do you mean later? Be around. Marshall, you're old. You can't wait much longer. I'm I've got at least another. How well I could, can't say. Not something you can predict. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not in a hurry because it's happening now. Is not that important to me. But I know that it's quality, and that's why I'm I'll get to it. So what's your thing? Hey, I want to tell you what my thing is. When Please. I was 15 years old, a movie came out called Paper Moon that I saw at the movie theater, and I enjoyed it so much at the age of 15 that I went back to see it again. And then I don't remember that it ever came out on VHS. The 70s, there was no VHS. And I it finally came out on DVD when I was 45 years old. I saw it on DVD. Uh-huh. And I wondered whether it would hold up as well as I remembered it, and it held up so well. Really? I've seen this movie 30 times. What's it called? Paper Moon? Paper Moon. Let me see. And it's, there's a number of good movies with kid protagonists. Oh, of the last two years, 2017, The Florida Project. Do not miss The Florida Project if you want to see one of the most amazing performances of a child, an eight-year-old, uh, seven or eight-year-old protagonist. But Paper Moon, Tatum O'Neill played an eight-year-old protagonist. She won an Academy Award for it. She it was the youngest that anybody had won an Academy Award. And I got to show it to my son when he was 15, and he also responded to it. But it's been one of the most enjoyable and repeatable films interestingly shot in black and white in the 70s but Peter Bogdanovich had just shot uh, a movie with Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill called What's Up Doc that was such a hit that the studio allowed him to do what he hoped to do which is shoot it in black and white it looks like it's shot in the 30s I don't want to tell you anything more about it uh, you can find out more about it if you like it and if you do like it Peter Bogdanovich has a commentary track on it where he talks about how he made the choices, what lenses he chose, how the exposure and all that kind of, it was really insightful stuff from a filmmaker on how to make a good film. Nice. He was one of those rare filmmakers that was a film reviewer. He was an expert on film before he actually made one, which rarely happens, but he did it and did it well. And I feel like that's his high, high watermark as a filmmaker, but I really recommend Paper Moon. I think you will like it. Cool. All right, guys, leave a, a comment in the... Hey, I got a better idea. Leave us a five-star review. Wow. Did I finally succeed? You got the energy. Yeah, you did it. Well, what was missing? It was, was the energy. You didn't tell them where. Pardon? iTunes. Yeah, do it on iTunes. Okay, yeah. I, I'll do that. I'll try that next it time. It was a well, very... Leave a five-star review on YouTube. Yeah. And <laughs> like, up, like, 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 put an upvote on iTunes. Yeah. And uh, be sure to subscribe on Reddit. Write a review on Yelp. Okay. How about the comments on this one? This is the I, comments. I think is is an obvious one. If you're a parent and an artist, give some advice. I think that's the most useful one. Yeah. And, right. And I mean, being yes, being realistic about it, some kind of of hope and encouragement, because there is nothing harder. I, I don't know that there's anything harder than than parenthood. Uh, there are things harder, but it, it just universally speaking, it's just the challenge of life. And so many people feel like I, I, I need encouragement. If you've got anything to say that is actually helpful, 
I don't know that what we said was that helpful. I hope it was. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we solved anyone's problems. No. No. But we talked about it. We talked about it. <laughs> You're I, bringing awareness to the problem. Yeah. The problem. Yeah, the problem of children. Oh, Jesus. I, I don't hope, know if it's a... I hope for I, you to have community. I hope for you to have people that when you look back on it, you have bonding and, and fond uh, affection for people who helped you through it, as well as yeah. your kids. And I want to remind people that my child was planned and Marshall's was <laughs> celebrated. <laughs> I'm just joking. We might cut that out. My son was planned. Okay, yeah. good. I refuse to accept this abuse any longer. <laughs> Podcast over. Okay. <laughs>